Today's episode of Pot on the Hill is brought to you by Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, championing the rights of everyday Australians since 1919. And to find out more, visit morrisblackburn.com.au. Remember, Pot on the Hill is available every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favourite podcast app. And if you've got any questions to ask Conrad, Nicola, or myself, uh, then email us at podcast at vic.alp.org.au. Uh, now, at the time of this recording, the Victorian state election is now underway. Voting has begun and we are 10 days out from the actual election day. Uh, and it all comes down to these final days of campaigning. And if you want to use your voice to re-elect the most progressive government in Australia, then support our grassroots movement and join our volunteers in the Community Action Network to knock on doors and make some calls to voters in target seats. And if you want to join them, you just can jump on the interwebs uh, and sign up at thisislabor.org forward slash volunteer. Uh, don't forget the most effective thing that we can do from now until election day is to make calls and knock doors. Talking to voters in your neighbourhood is critical to holding Labor marginal seats and gaining Tory seats like South Barber and Ripon, Morwell uh, and Bass um, and taking seats off of the Greens in the inner city like uh, Northcote and Paran. Also, don't forget to put in your diaries this Sunday night at 7pm is the Community Action Network Rally for Labour with Daniel Andrews, the Premier. It's at the ANMF Auditorium in the city. That's at 535 Elizabeth Street in the CBD. Uh, there is uh, on-street parking on Sunday nights that's for free and you can park at the uh, Queen Vic Markets, which is just across the road. Um, or you can catch a tram uh, up Elizabeth Street, catch a train to the cities. Heaps of ways you can get here. Um, but get on down. Doors open at 6 p.m. and uh, it'll kick off at 7. Um, and we'll actually be talking to the guy that will be speaking at that rally in a moment. I'll tell you a bit about why that is such a good thing to do. So join all of our volunteers in the Community Action Network and save your seat by going to thisislabor.org forward slash rally. Speaking of Daniel Andrews, he's the Premier of Victoria and he's also the guest on today's episode of Pot on the Hill. Um, and before we hear from the Premier, we're going to hear from the former Premier, Steve Brax. Um, across this election series, Conrad French uh, has been sitting down with the former Premier, a legend of the Labor Party, to talk a bit about the campaign uh, as it's moving from week to week. So we'll hear from Conrad first and then the Premier of Victoria, Steve, um, Daniel Andrews. Uh, but first, here's the Whitlam's. Song about a man called Goff and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he Hello, and welcome to this special segment again of Pod on the Hill, where we talk with former Premier Steve Brax about the week that was in this 2018 Victorian state election. Um, welcome, Steve. It's good to be here again. Fantastic. Now, since we chatted last week, uh, we saw a suspension of the campaign over the weekend following the terrible events of Friday evening. Uh, last week and Stephen Donnelly and the Premier Daniel Andrews speak more in depth about this later on in the episode but what I wanted to get from you firstly is sort of, um, how, how do you re react as a leader uh, of a state or of a, uh, to, re to an event like this? Well I think um, the reaction is that Daniel Andrews had is exactly the right one and that is bringing people together uh, talking about what uh, binds us as a, a state uh, what unifies us as a state and making sure that you um, you are there as the leader of the state in um, ensuring that uh, there's assurance given to people that you know whilst it was totally unacceptable totally out of bounds the the activity that happened that um, you know won't divert us from the you know the, the great quality of life and the lifestyle that we have in this state and we will keep uh, uh, doing the things we've been doing yeah it's I, I couldn't comprehend how difficult that would be uh, in a position to be. Um, now let's sort of right. we'll move on to sort of the cut and thrust of politics for the week that was. Now, often these types of segments become a sort of a reflection on what, what goes wrong in a campaign. Now, we've actually had a number of opportunities with our opponents this week of what went wrong. Now, now not exactly in your neck of the woods in Williamstown, but not far away in the uh, seat of Footscray, video, video emerged of the Greens candidate Angus McAlpine in his days as a rapper called Fatgut, 
making appalling comments uh, in his songs and also all over the internet. Now, what did you think of the story when it first broke and how do you think the Greens have dealt with it since? Well, I think it's indicative of where the Greens are now. They are um, really overreaching in a whole range of areas. They're not sure exactly what they stand for anymore. And this is really a byproduct of that. Um, it's not just about poor vetting of candidates. It's really about um, what they what they stand for. And and basically, they, they stand against the Labor Party in trying to uh, undermine Labor at every step of the way. And that's, that's, a, that's a negative motivation which is really colouring their whole party apparatus to a large extent. And this is a really a byproduct of that. So they're trying to be you know, smart by picking a candidate they think will appeal Melbourne's West, but you know, caught out significantly because um, you know, this candidate has form and has, has history, and uh, that history has come out now. And uh, we're going to see more of this from the Greens, I think. And um, you know, the Greens... Um, really are not what they originally intended to be. They are another political party who really want to undermine Labor and they've got no other purpose in life but that. Yeah, and it's not the first time we've seen these problems. We saw Greg Barber resign and then allegations came out about him. We've seen the bullying allegations throughout the Batman campaign. We've seen problems in New South Wales Greens. So it's, it seems to be a bit of a cultural problem within the Greens and it's not just a, an isolated incident, as you, as you point out. No, not at all. Mm. Now to our main opponents, the Liberal Party. Now, while the Greens were having their own problems in Footscray and their candidate continues to battle on, um, the Liberals this morning on the Thursday, the 15th of November, have disendorsed their candidate overnight for Yan Yin, uh, Marilyn Klein, after she appeared in an anti-Muslim video for the Australian Liberty Alliance, a party, a party that's actually running in the seat, against, was running against the seat against the Liberal Party, now that the Liberal Party aren't running. What does it say of the Liberal Party that people like that with the views like that are being pre-selected in the first place? Well, I think this is um, an existential threat for the Liberal Party more broadly in this country. And it's actually a threat to um, centre-right parties around the world. The infiltration of those centre-right parties by extreme alt-right groups, uh, we've seen in the National Party in Australia, and they're trying to, or claim they're trying to take action about it. But we've seen it in a significant way in New South Wales and in Victoria now, where we've um, got evangelical groups who are joining up in mass into the party, um, and um, other extreme right groups who are, are joining up. And of course, when they join up, they want their power in the flesh. They want their policy announcement. They want to influence the body politic more broadly. And um, I thought, think it was no more evident than when you saw Matthew Guy try to undercover at the Christian lobby, announce that he was going to bring back compulsory religious education into, into public schools. He wanted to do it without being noticed, but of course no, all these things are noticed and it was leaked and it got out. Um, it's not something he would have wanted to do, but he had to do it because of the infiltration of the Liberal Party by groups and organisations who are wanting to change their policy. Now this is endemic now, and this is the latest incarnation that we're seeing in Yan Yin. Um, this is something they're allowing to happen, and um, we can see the, the centre-right party, which the Liberal Party used to be, become a significant alt-right party, and I think it's going to tell on them enormously, both at the state level but also the federal level coming up. Yeah, it's something we've seen across... I mean, you've seen the divisions in the federal party and now, and, and obviously writ large today in Yan Yan. So, I mean... Uh, and we've also seen it internationally. If you look at the, the tussle for the soul of the Republican Party in the United States, uh, you're looking at the splintering of right groups across uh, Europe and um, the UK, um, and the very same thing is happening here. And it's genuine. It's genuinely scary. I don't think it's it's not just a matter of sort of economic ideological position anymore. It's it's much much broader and much deeper than that. It's sort of this sort of race politics and sort of bigotry that's sort of finding its way into major right wing or centre right parties, as you say, being being turned against. And we saw it initially with the Tea Party, and now we've seen it all over the place, as you, as you say. Enough of our opponents. It's, we, we could talk. I guess we could talk all day about the, the shortcomings of the Greens and the Liberal Party. But I guess to us for the week, and and um, we, whilst our opponents have have caused themselves all sorts of problems, we've continued to make announcements that will benefit Victorians. Uh, Fifty-four new regional train carriages that will be built in Victoria by Victorians, and a, and a commitment to set up low-fee bulk billing IVF clinics in Melbourne and regional Victoria. I guess, what are your thoughts of these announcements, particularly um, the regional rail announcement, as it's it's one of the one of the great legacies of your of your premiership, and also what jumped out at, out at you about the, our campaign this week? Um, what jumped out to me about our campaign was 
how we were on the fundamental issues which are going to make a difference to people in Victoria. So jobs and economic security, um, regional rail of course which is a, a part of that, um, health and education, that's, that's been really the stock of what we've been standing on. And largely our opponents, whilst what not, not wanting to comment on them too much, have narrow-casted their campaign, if you like, to law and order in the regions. And the regions have only come lately in, so I can't see how they're going to get leave, leverage by simply tricking up for a campaign that they want to do as well as Labor in the regions. And so they're left with a narrow casting of law and order, and that's not enough to actually make a difference and to, and to win the election, in my view. But, you know... Um, I think the announcement on uh, rolling stock for regional rail is an outstanding announcement for, on two levels. One, it's all about frequency of service and quality of the service to our regions. And second, these are jobs that are going to be developed in Victoria. The Victorian Participation Policy, which is a policy which requires maximum local content, um, you know, more than 60%, means that those jobs and those skills that are derived from the work that's undertaken will be he held here in Victoria. That's a great thing. And, um, you know, it reaffirms our position as the, um, the, the job growth uh, capital of the country. I mean, today's Financial Review, in fact, was talking about the fact that uh, Victoria is the leading economy in the country. Lowest, yeah. Second lowest unemployment, highest growth at 3.3%, um, and looks like it's going to continue. And that's really on the back of you know, some very good economic policies, good fiscal discipline, good economic policies. And this is an example of another one of those. Yeah, and sets us up for the next four years and, and into the future as well. No doubt. Um, now... That brings us to the end of my questions. Just for your final observations of the week, Steve. Um, well, the final, my final observation of the week is that um, the, the federal government continues to add assistance and support to state labour here in Victoria. Uh, look, at, look at the way they're retreating on um, their tricked-up election policy in the Wentworth by-election uh, for um, moving, so-called move of the... Of the um, uh, of, of the, uh, the embassy. Um, embassy from uh, Tel Aviv to uh, to uh, Jerusalem, you know, obviously that's tricked up. They're now moving away from it. Um, that's all about the internal tensions in the Liberal Party more broadly. You know, they continue to give us aid and assistance, but we don't need it really because if you look at the comparison of where Labor is now to where the Liberals were in their previous term of office, it is just you know daylight really, um, and what really this last week is set up is really the the next term of office for Labor I think it looks more and more likely that we're going to win um, our program is very good it's very strong and most people would say well let's give them a go to continue on with the good work that they're doing and I think that's what the week showed fantastic thanks very much for joining us again Steve and we look forward to seeing you next week okay good on you Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, have been fighting for your rights for nearly 100 years because they believe that fairness is a universal right, not just reserved for the chosen few. They know if one person is denied the right to be safe, to be free, to be heard, or to be equal, everyone else's rights are at risk too. And that includes you. So whether it's returning stolen land, protecting new mums at work, or demanding equality, Morris Blackburn Lawyers helps shine a light on everyday injustices because you, who knows when your rights might be affected. Next up, Stephen Donnelly with the Premier. Daniel Andrews, welcome back to Pot on the Hill. It is very good to be back. We're recording this one at um, campaign headquarters. F flash kind of surrounds. Oh, yeah. Uh, only the best. The uh, Australian Nursing and Midwifery Federation don't muck about. No, they don't at all. They're looking after us indeed. And their members, we have to add. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's. Uh, we've got a lot to get through. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast, so we've got a bit to catch up it's on. One or two things have happened, yes. Yeah, they have. Um, and some of them actually not, uh, not great uh, events in our mm. city mm. in uh, the last week or so. And if we can start with that, uh, the tragic event that occurred sure. in the CBD uh, on Friday evening. Tell us, when did you first hear the news and what were the thoughts that went through your mind? I got a phone call uh, pretty much as it was happening literally moments after it started and we knew that something was going on in Berkshire we weren't quite sure what and you know in a modern age you go to Twitter and next thing you're watching videos of it that people have posted uh, look I don't know the first thing that goes through your through your mind is you know you hope everyone's okay you want you want it you want the information that you need you want to be you want to be briefed you want to 
try and take control. You know, that's the, the that's the natural feeling. Mm. Uh, police did a fantastic job. I met with the two officers and their families yesterday. One only out of the academy for three months. One a thirty year uh, veteran. Uh, really fine people. Really fine people who instinctively put themselves in harm's way to protect others. The the bystanders. Uh, that fills you with pride too that they'd step in and try and support police. Just a an evil, awful, terrible thing. And Sisto Malaspina uh, was, you know, a really, really special part of our city. And we'll get a chance to honour him next Tuesday, not to be focused on his death, but instead to be celebrating his life on Burke Street, which was one of love and joy and inclusion and welcome. He was someone who was very, very warm and. Even if you saw him infrequently, you still felt that you knew him. But it was a difficult day Friday, and I think we saw the worst of humanity, but the best at the same time. Yeah. And uh, to all of those involved, you know, whether it's the police on scene, those who backed them up, the specialist squads who were there within seconds, our fires who put that fire out, not knowing whether there was other explosives in that vehicle, ambos, nurses and doctors who treated the injured, uh, every one of them have done us proud. And it's a long answer, but the other one, Stephen, I'd say, you know, what really filled me with pride was the following day, we had, you know, 50-odd thousand out at Stakes Day. Uh, the day after, obviously Remembrance Day, it was always going to be a big day because of the centenary of the armistice, but biggest crowd I've ever seen, and I've been going to that service for a long time, mm. and it was a really strong show of defiance, you know, that we won't be defined by this, we won't be deterred or cowered by it that we're our unique way of life the things we hold dear are so much more important and so much stronger than an evil act like this you mentioned at the top of your answer there about the two um uh, brave police officers that um that fought with uh this bloke um and they were so quickly on the scene um uh cast your mind back to uh january 2017 when uh that bloke um gargasoulis uh, went on his deadly rampage up Burke Street, um, uh, the and and killed six people. Tell us about how that you know affected you personally, um, and and how did that motivate you and your government to address those events, and how and, and what what did that mean for the events of last Friday? Look, I think part of this job it's it's a difficult part of this job, but it's uh, one of those inevitable parts of this job that you're called upon to be strong at times of tragedy and times of high stress and times when really bad things happen and you've just got to you've just got to find it within yourself to stand up and to be um to lead and to show people that strength and then to organize your thoughts organize your team make sure all the agencies are working together all those practical things they actually matter and a sign of strength is 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 very important people want to be reassured and they need to be so I've always regarded that as a really important part of the job and you've just got to find it. doesn't mean that these things don't take a toll on you. I've spoken with each and every one of the families who lost someone on Burke Street. Uh, I uh, have uh, spent more time with some of them than others uh, as, as they wanted. And, you know, you, you carry that with you. you, you there's no getting around that, that it's a very emotional, very personal thing. But I made all of those families a commitment that we would change the bail laws that we inherited from the previous government. We'd make them Australia's toughest, We and we have. Uh, that we would put the bollards in, that we would fortify those points of weakness. But we wouldn't change our city. We wouldn't get rid of trams, for instance. We wouldn't do things that were not uh, proportionate, and we wouldn't cower to to fundamentally alter the way the city works. You know, they're, they're, they're good people who carry an enormous grief with them uh, forever and the best thing we can do is make commitments to them and then um, honour them and I've been criticised for a few of the law changes we've made a few of the other reforms that we've made but you know you've got to take a common sense view of these things and, and often people I don't I, I don't criticise people for criticising me and I don't I don't criticise people for having a different view than me but you know they haven't had to make the calls that I've had to make they haven't had to sit in rooms and comfort people who've lost everything and whose life will forever be diminished and forever changed because of some of these uh, incidents. It's it's part of this job, um, and I'm, I don't come on this on this podcast, and I don't spend much time talking about our opponents out on the campaign trail either. But in difficult times, you find out a lot about people, and I think some of the low road stuff that we've seen from our opponents these last few days speaks volumes for just a lack of character. Mm. 
you know, we've got talk about white flags and all sorts of other politicisation of this uh, over the last couple of days. And I think that speaks volumes for the type of people we're running against and why this election is so important. Um, you know, you've got to do more than slogans, more than rhetoric, more than getting angry in front of the camera. You've got to have authority, you've got to have conviction. And when you make commitments to fix things, you've got to get on and get it done. And that's what we have done over these last four, four years. Sticking with that theme about getting things done, um, cynics within the media and in the commentariat would say that in modern politics, ordinary voters, ordinary Victorians don't have a say in our political process and uh, can't affect change. But at the campaign launch a couple of weeks ago, there were clear examples, and I want you to touch on some of those, of which individuals have been affected by things that have happened in their lives um, and government they have gone to government this particular government and uh, said what can we do about this well it goes right back to uh, before we were the government and it's I think one of the most powerful reasons why we are the government today because we listened to people who had really powerful stories to tell of where things had failed them things had not worked and where they want to change not not a politics for the up from the other side that's all about defending the status quo but instead progressive positive optimistic but realistic politics that says a lot of stuff needs to change and that we all benefit from that change if we've just got the determination to drive it and to get it get it done and there's a, there's, there's a few stunning examples of that you know Rosie Batty who uh, for a very long time and perhaps forever in my mind will be the face of courage in our in our nation what happened to Luke what happened to Greg as well in terms of the system failing him had a very, very powerful impact on me. And I made her a commitment. I said, we will have a Royal Commission. We'll implement the recommendations. We will do the hard work, the really, really hard work to find the $2.5 billion and the resolve to make sure that we do everything we can to keep Victorian women and children safe. And we've got a long way to go on that, but we've made some very, very big changes. So that's one person's experience, albeit a very public, very... Uh, well-known and understood experience but that's direct influence there's some less well-known cases Stephen Joe Gibbs I met Stephen Joe uh, not long after their son died when an ambulance just took too long to come and uh, revive him and um, Joe his mum makes the point very powerfully and she doesn't speak very often about this but she she spoke in a in a, um, in a uh, video product for the launch which is very touching in itself because, as I said, she hasn't she doesn't talk very often about this. Yeah. She made the point that her son worked hard, he paid his taxes, and he was a good contributor. And when he needed the system to work for him, the ambulance didn't turn up. We got a, we've got the the best ambulance service in the country now, and the best response times we've ever had. And that's because of people like Steve and Joe bravely telling their story and coming to us and saying, "Right, this is on you. We'll vote for you if you've got a positive plan to fix this." And I made them a commitment as well. I said, "Right." yep, we are going to fix this. And we've put the money in and the hard work. Jill Hennessy's done such a fantastic job. You know, people like Steve McGee, Danny Hill, the leaders of the Ambulance Union and our paramedics uh, who do such incredibly important work. And they carry a lot. They carry a big burden as well. Like, you can't do the jobs they do. It's a tough job. It is a tough job. It is. And, and we pay them properly now, more than has ever been the case because, we, you know, we had a work value case. We... We gave them a big pay rise and then a fair EBA on top of that. Um, we actually respect their work, you know, as odd as that sounds. That is a point of political difference. We don't bag them and you know, we support them. And that comes from individual stories. And it's, we haven't got enough time for me to go through all the families I met throughout that ambulance crisis for four long years before we won, learning intimately and tragically, very emotionally, about all the different failings. And they were right across the state. And things are not perfect, but they're better than they've ever been. And I reckon that's another example. Now, the other one, uh, it's sort of less, I suppose, life and death. It's less, uh, if you like, uh, dramatic in that sense. Alison Marchant, who's someone uh, from down in that uh, uh, Western District more broadly, but certainly in more recent times, so Ballerine area around that surf coast area. And she ran and was very, very big in terms of the anti-fracking campaign, which is one of the greatest political coalitions we've seen, I think, in Victoria yeah. for a very long time. So environmentalists, farmers, um, uh, people who are progressive, people who are less so, uh, all coming together, saying something really powerful, that in regional Victoria you can't separate the environment from the uh, economy. It's the same thing. 
And if you smash up our farmland, if you smash up our wine country and dairy country, our tourism icons by drilling everywhere and fracking everything, then you know that's a bad outcome for all of us. Her movement, her campaign, her leadership, her, her character and all the people that she brought together convinced me that we had to ban fracking and we, and we did. And we got a bit of stick for that from some people, the usual suspects, you know. Of course, the Gina Reinharts and the big drilling companies, they think it's a terrible decision. Well, if, that, if you use that as a barometer, I think we've probably got that one right, Stephen. Indeed. So yes, you can influence policy. You absolutely. And sometimes it's out of tragedy. Sometimes it's much more positive than that. But, you know, people matter in politics. It's all about people. It's all about leaving the place better than you found it, affecting change. And I'm never about... I've never been about, you know, oh, we have to win to beat them. We have to win to, to or, or, or be defined by the things we're opposed to. Not at all. The status quo is not good enough in so many areas. That's why we're a party of change, a party of reform, a party that doesn't just talk about making history. We actually make it. Uh, they're all the differences. That's a hopeful politics, a hopeful and optimistic but realistic politics. Um, that's the politics of the Labor Party and the Labor movement uh, beyond. It's um, something that I've noticed in the, the, the themes of the campaign thus far, and it really started at the, the, the launches that happened simultaneously on the same day. The Liberal Party at their launch were talking about us, and at our launch, the Labor Party, through you, were talking about Victorians and the challenges that they were having. And I thought, well, that might be just a one-off on this particular day because the Liberal Party campaign looked like a <clears throat> Republican national convention. Again, I have a... And I have it continued a, for the whole campaign. I have a, I have a rule, and it is a, an important one, and that I don't talk about my opponent. But I will just break that rule slightly by saying that there were two speeches given that morning. One was about Victorians and about how we could make the greatest state in our nation even stronger and more progressive. You know, where the ideas capital, the critical thinking capital... All the big reform has come out of here over the, over the decades, and we're leading again. We are leading again on, on things like voluntary assisted dying, on things like uh, drug law reform that, and being bold around a supervised injecting facility that actually saves lives, things like family violence reform, fracking, a treaty with our uh, Indigenous brothers and sisters, the first and only one in the country. And the list goes on and on and on, uh, and some of them are not as not as uh, totemic as that, but they're just as important, like ambulance resources, for instance. That was what I spoke about. I spoke about doing more of that important work. The other fellow, he got up, it was like he was at, uh, he was at a buddy branch meeting. Like he just spoke, it was all about me, all about us, all about, you know, politics and partisanship and, 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 being, and sort of nastiness. And, and spite and anger and anger and, and anger you know but that but you would expect someone whose only real platform is to try and scare the bejesus out of everybody into voting for him of course he's angry that's he's very angry and i don't know that anger gets you very far not unless you've got an ability to focus it into action and that's what we've done when there are some things to get angry about absolutely and and we've we've focused that and and then delivered uh, but you know I don't know necessarily that Victorians are, are very big on a leader that spends 99.9% of their time angry. I don't think that's necessarily what our state needs. Turning to another opponent that we have, because that's the challenge that the Labor Party has... In we should, I should just interrupt to say that these things are normally quite funny. We're, we're off on a very serious tone, aren't we? Yeah, we, we are. No. There are some serious issues which do we are. We'll require to, us to be... Well, you know, you're going to give me a warning when yeah, you want yeah, me to yeah, lighten well, up I'll and be... I'll tell you when we're going to switch. You're going to do songs at the end? Uh, well, I was going to throw it open to you about what you wanted oh, to I've go got a, with. I've got a banger for you this oh, time. Okay, oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk about the Greens for a moment, our other opponent, our inner city uh, Green Tories. Um, for the benefit of listeners, Stephen is wearing a... Well, it's actually, a, it's... What is it? It's actually... It's a Celtic hoodie. It's a Celtic hoodie. Yeah. So the Green stole Celtic's colour. You think that's right? Is that, is that how... I don't it's feel... very similar. Well, all right, okay, let's go down this path, shall we? I, don't, I, I wasn't comfortable about the fact that the Batman by-election was on St. Patrick's Day to start with. Turned out all right, though. It did turn out all right, and I was hoping, I was thinking, oh, no, I don't know if this, the is, luck a good, of the Irish, if this is a good omen here. The luck or not. of the Irish. Um, but uh, it did in the end. I'm, my, all of my, I finish up with a Scottish name, but all of my family are potato famine migrants. Absolutely. From way down south, a place called uh, Fomoy, and... Uh, 
St. Patrick's Day was always going to be a good day for us. It was. It was a great day. Jed Carney's fantastic and working hard still. Like she's, They've given her a great gift and she's working really hard to be a strong voice for that uh, community. Yep. They take their politics very... Well, everyone does, I suppose, but they take their politics very seriously. They're very engaged in their community and uh, she's, a, she's the perfect voice. There you go. There's a plug for... We've got a, we've got a federal election yeah, coming exactly. up well, after well, this one's let's over. Not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, but Ten days still, ago in this one. Still... Um, the Greens have had a, uh, a tough week this week. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, on on that because we've seen, you know, speaking of the Batman by-election, the, the, the Greens candidate in that particular by-election came under fire about accusations from their own local branch members about bullying. Uh, the Greens candidate here in Footscray in this state election um, has... He's a, he's a class act, isn't he? Yeah. Has said some. Well, Stephen, let me just write. The Greens have had a hard week. I, let me tell you what's hard, right? I'll tell you what's hard. I was um, being polite. A lot, of women, a lot of women have a tough time every day because they're treated appallingly. They're treated by men. They're treated, they have to deal with men who don't believe they are their equal. Um, that's unacceptable to me. It has always been un- unacceptable to me. Uh, we're doing something about it. We're driving the biggest reform in attitudes towards women and therefore outcomes for women that our state's ever seen. If you add up every dollar spent on family violence prevention by every government in this country, state and federal, it's less than what Victoria's spending. That give, that's leadership. Uh, with the greatest of respect to the leader of the Greens, I think it was wrong to stand up with the can- their candidate for Footscray, back him in and not call this out. It is just unbelievable. And of course today they're, they're relaunching their campaign on you know, forestry issues or something, trying to divert it, desperately trying to divert attention from the fact that they've got a big, in fact, I think a toxic cultural problem with inside their party. We see it in New South Wales as well. Uh, terrible stuff going on up there. Batman was one example of it. There's a lot of talk and, and it's all backed up by actual experience where people have come forward and said, there's bad behaviour here. What are you going to do about it? And they miss it every time. They miss the opportunity. They refuse to take the opportunity and therefore deliver, deliver on their obligation to run a much better show. Like it's a secretive outfit, you know, they, they have these state conferences and no one can go. The media can't go, no one can see what goes on. That might work for a state conference. You're, they're running, uh, pretending to run, that they're going to run the show and deliver all these policies they talk about, and they've failed a real test here. It, it, is, it is a really clear test. What the vile comments... Like, that's the only way to describe them. Absolutely vile uh, from this, this fellow in uh, Footscray. Uh, and indeed, there's been some others in other, other candidates that have run into a bit of trouble as well. Angus McAlpine. Yeah, you know, oh, I'm not going to use his name. I don't think he's worthy of us using his name. That fellow in, in Footscray, uh, that's the problem. All packaged up. He is the problem. He's the problem that women have to confront every day. That's not part of the solution. That's the problem. And for the Greens leader not to be able to call that out, disendorse him, off my ticket, I want nothing to do with you, that speaks volumes for just how much they've lost, lost their way. I was out with Jill yesterday doing some IVF announcements, really, really important stuff, trying to break down some of the cost barriers for, for uh, couples wanting to start a family. And uh, we were asked about this, and Jill, I think, made the point really well. She said, we hear a lot about fake news. Well, when it comes to the Greens and this issue, we've got fake values on display. And, you know, again, I've already spent too much time talking about people who are irrelevant to our plans. But, you know, they love to get on. They love to give us a big lecture about having no values. Well, they've they've failed a test here. Let's go back to a particular date, the 3rd of December 2010. What happened on that day? I became the leader of the Victorian Parliamentary Labor Party. Gee, that does seem a long time ago. It does seem a long time ago. It is it's a lot. It, well, it actually is a long time ago. It is effectively and eight it, years ago. Well, and it's, uh, it's bucking a trend, I think. Well, that's something I want to mention because mm. in that time, whilst you have been the leader of the Labor Party yes. here in Victoria, we've, uh, you've seen off five prime ministers. One of whom served twice. Three state Liberal leaders, two leaders of the Greens Party, and I'm just I'm being proactive. My own, uh, the city no, of Boston yes. has won five titles, two World Series, two Super Bowls, and a Stanley Cup. Essendon, your football team, hasn't won diddly squat. <coughs> Thanks for that. Uh, in a time where leadership uh, in politics is 
constantly in turmoil. What is the secret to the stability that you and your and both your time in opposition and now your government have provided for the people of Victoria? I think you've just got to be focused on getting things done. Seriously, like the this is not. There's a lot of complex issues in politics, but when you boil it down to its essence, it is it is not complex at all. Are you listening? Because uh, that's where wisdom comes from, listening to other people. Uh, and are you getting on and actually delivering? And if you are, and again, you know, we said we'd, we'd create 100,000 jobs. We've created 400,000. We said we'd get rid of 20 level crossings. We've got rid of 29. We said we'd plan, plan only, the Metro Tunnel, we're building it, fully funded, not a dollar from Canberra. It's in the ground. We said we'd build a very small uh, slip lane, essentially, into the port of Melbourne. We're now building the Westgate Tunnel, and it's under construction now, fully funded, no support from Canberra. Every country rail line's being upgraded. I was just out at Bombardier in Dandenong today announcing that we're going to put another big train order in. I'll tell you what, you can't... I can't properly describe, adequately describe... The workers I met with out there who now know that if we're re-elected, their jobs are secure. And they're highly skilled. They do a great job. They turn out a wonderful product. You know, there's all these examples and so many more. I think we promised we'd spend about $500 million on schools. That's what we said we'd do. We're up to $3.8 billion. Uh, 1,300 different projects across the state. Is there more to do? Yeah, of course. But in all these areas, because we're running surplus budgets, the economy's strong, Tim Palace is doing a great job as treasurer, We've got, we've got the resources if you've got the work ethic and a bit of wit around it, you know, and you're creative and you, you know how government works and you can use all the tools available to you. We've got a lot of stuff going on and that's what keeps the show together because we're all too busy to be distracted. And there's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff that if you listened to our friends in the fourth estate, our friends in the media, or you listened to the commentary as you termed them earlier, you get knocked off course. You get knocked off course and you get obsessed with stuff that seems massive on Spring Street but means nothing on Main Street. You've got... This job is about getting things done. And if that's what you're about, then you'll, you know, you've got a chance of being good at it. And then you've got a product. You can go back to the community and say, look, love me or not, um, that's not what this is about. It's about... It's not, not as funny as it seems. It's not a popularity contest. It's about who can deliver who's got a positive plan and who's got the track record where, there, where, there's, where there's a real sense of uh, sincerity and believability that the next lot, the next part of the plan will actually happen. That's where I think we're at in this, in this campaign, not taking anything for granted, but there's a, lot, a lot has happened and you can't miss it because it's all real. It's not, it's not talk, it's all real. It's in the, in the ground and people, you know, the best part of 100,000 of those 400,000 jobs are working on our projects. When you came in uh, eight years ago, there were challenges that you obviously looked as uh, as the leader of the party and tried to work with all the different parts of uh, the party um, in policy development and address those challenges. Fast forward to eight years now, mm. um, after all the things you've just talked about that this government has already delivered and has planned to, to well, double I could get down. on and list more. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I, I bet I, you do I've have a list. this filing cabinet I carry around between what, my ears I can go through. What, uh, what, are the challenge, what, what are the new challenges that you think that Victoria faces going forward in, into the next term? Look, we're a, we're a rapidly growing state. Uh, you can, uh, and a lot of people run a commentary. It's kind of a dog whistle sort of thing, really, like... Our, the, our, our opponents are out there doing a lot of talking about growth and, you know, everything's out of control and all this sort of stuff. You know, what a hopeful little narrative that is, you know. What a hopeful little narrative that is. It's just what a, what, what a shameful way to try and campaign to get these most important thing, you know, the opportunity, the obligation, the responsibility to lead the place on a platform like that. Like, it's just unbelievable. But anyway, the issue here is... Uh, as a growing as a growing community, there are challenges to keep pace with that growth because so many things we're building now should have been built 20 or 30 years ago. You know, we have the dubious honour of being the only city in the world that's got a ring road with a great big gap in it. Like, it's a joke, right? It should have been built decades ago. We're going to get on and build that too. That'll be out to market within 100 days of coming to office. Now, why should, why should we be having to almost go solo certainly not in sentiment, but, it, but in terms of the magnitude of our investment, to keep women and children safe. Why, 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 is that to, why is that left to us? 
you know, what was that? Not something that's been a mainstream political issue for a long time, it should have been. Um, that growth does present challenges. An energy transition where there's a zero leadership from Canberra, that's a challenge. You know, we just ran the biggest renewable energy auction in the country's ever seen, 1,000 megawatts. Uh, we thought we'd get about 600, so over oversubscribed. The bid pool was closer to 3,000 megawatts. Um, you know, we've got lots of different challenges. Crime, we have to be upfront about that. There are some law and order challenges out there, but the best way to get to those is, I think, threefold. You've got to give police what they need. So the academy's full and it's going to stay that way if we get uh, re-elected. None of the cutbacks that our opponents are famous for. Second thing, you know, what did they think was going to happen when they cut TAFE? Young people were just going to, you know, go, go, go about their business and play Nintendo, as you say. And I do know what Nintendo is. It's fine. Just <laughs> or Atari. Atari. Thank you. Goodness me. I'm not quite that old. Um, you know, what, what did they think was going to happen when they cut the guts out of TAFE? Of course we were going to finish up with some youth crime issues. We're fixing TAFE. We're giving people the skills they need. We've got a strong economy that's hiring. There's a lot of jobs, a lot of starts. And we're very parochial about our uh, procurement policy. We've got hundreds and hundreds of young people working as apprentices, trainees and cadets on level crossings and metro tunnel and all these other big projects to give them a start so they can make better choices for the future and take those skills with them throughout their working life. The third, so education, police resources, the third area, this is not in any way to stigmatise anybody who suffers a mental illness, but some of this, some of this behaviour, not by no means all of it, some of it is driven by failures in our mental health system and that's on us. The Royal Commission will give us the answers that we need and then the really hard work can begin. And Martin Foley's done a great job in getting additional funding, but when you can see a system that's just not working, you've got to own that, accept it, and then chart a much better course. That's what we did in family violence. And in terms of mental health, um, drug and alcohol addiction support and services, I think that's the third part of this. So that's, that. You know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from being honest about that. Uh, beyond that, look, you know, there's always the day-to-day stuff that, comes along some of the some of the tragic incidents that we've talked about that will come along every now and then uh, we always work hard to make sure there isn't another one but being realistic and being honest with the community means that from time to time there will be great challenges whether it's natural disasters or you know terrible acts all of those things are challenges too but I think that we're we're, we're, we're a pretty strong pretty strong place I think people do look out for each other uh, and, and they're prepared to accept and, and, and support a positive plan, provided they can see that it's more than just talk, that there's action behind it. That's how you turn those challenges into really important opportunities for the future. Turning our attention to the campaign uh, itself in campaigning, I, uh, I'm the Assistant Secretary. I have your old job. Just want to know what stage you're do most I get to welcome become Premier? To it. You're most welcome to when, it. When, when <laughs> no, no, I enjoyed my time at head office. I enjoyed uh, my time. It started just around the time of the 99 campaign, the beginning of 99. So that, that year ended well for us. It did end very well. Um, and uh, I started off, I was, I was in charge of how to vote cards, which in those days we didn't quite have some of the technological advances around printing that you do. So it was lots of, uh, lots of proofs, lots of proofs. Uh, and then it ultimately ended with me going off and running the Frankston East, Frankston East by-election and then Burwood by-election and so a little bit of work around Banella as well. Four from four. Yeah, it was pretty good actually. It all turned out all right. And then and then they uh, they thought enough of me to give me a go in Mulgrave. Great community. Shout out to all those Mulgrave listeners. Hope you're heading to pre-poll to A, vote for me and B, hand out for me. How do you You're allowed to do that, aren't you? Being, yes, you are. You can do that. See, How? others wouldn't need to do that pitch because their seats are considerably... We don't use the term safe and marginal, but anyway. How do you find being a former party official uh, in a campaign itself in which you are, you know, we always talk about candidatus, how do you manage to just let other people do the job that you once did and for them to dictate your life? You have to. I said, I got on the bus this morning and um, they all noted that I was particularly sprightly. And I said, well, you've got to find a way to enjoy this because if you don't, you can't do it properly. So campaigns are tough, they're gruelling and all that, but you do have to find a way to enjoy it. And I do. I enjoy talking to people, I enjoy listening to people, I enjoy, despite the length of my answers on this podcast, I do enjoy listening. Um, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the contest. But, like, I learnt, 
I don't know, I learned not long after becoming the leader that if you try to do everything yourself, you'd literally just sort of, it'd all just melt down. You, you, you can't, you have to compartmentalise, you have to be able to delegate. And I've got so, such great people around me. It's a great team, it's a young team uh, who, who are progressive by nature. It's instinctive that they want to be part of a government that changes things and, and makes things better. Your head office has got a great team at the moment. I don't just say that because you're going to be doing the editing of this podcast once <laughs> I'm finished, but um, it is a great team. And some of the stuff we've done in field, some of the stuff we do in digital, um, you know, we're not just a, a good Victorian branch. We are, I think, probably the best campaigning outfit in the country. Uh, and that, that I'd like to think that I might have played a little small part in that when I was at head office all those years ago. I think, it, to answer your question, I think being an official gives you a unique understanding of, of all the different roles and all the different parts that go into a winning a winning campaign. Maybe that makes it a little bit easier to be able to delegate. It certainly doesn't make it harder. Uh, but my, my job is one event at a time, one day at a time, make sure that I uh, put forward the details of our plan, answer the journalist's questions, fire up all the troops, get people motivated and you know all those sort of things what's it like on the bus with the journos is there a bit of a is there a like a, a oh look mate no one loves spending time with journos more than me mate i love them they're great they're beautiful people they'll all be listening yeah, they will oh, oh do you think i don't know about that well they might be i hope they are and if they are i, I love you you're just great you're the best <laughs> last podcast they all do this i got feedback from people saying oh, I, I love them they're great no, they, great they're good podcast. no look to be honest they've got an important job to do and well, look we and just in case they are listening i'll make this point we talk about industries that are in transition a lot, right? There's no industry that is more in transition than media. More pink slips being handed out in newsrooms than has ever been the case. It's not easy to be a journo. And I want, I've always been someone, I don't criticise journalists. You get towed up, you get, you get, you know, you can, you can get treated badly sometimes, or at least in your own mind. But I don't, I don't whinge, I don't complain, I don't ring editors screaming and shouting, that's not me, right? Um, and I've always been about more voices. There needs to be more voices in any contemporary political conver- political conversation. We need more voices, not less. And there's some trends in the media at the moment that are not particularly healthy. But at the same time, you know, it gives me great, great um, hope. And, and we hope at this point that the journos aren't listening. But new media, the number of platforms, the number of even sub-platforms, they're not even organised into a platform, but they're conversations that are organic and authentic third-party voices. They're the most important voices in any contest now. That's why field field is so important. You know, somebody picking up the phone and talking to a voter and saying, I'm voting for Dan and his team. Here's why. I think you should too. That is much more important than than tonight's news or how I might perform on it. But the journos have got a tough, tough job, and I actually respect the work that they do. We have had disagreements from time to time, but their their role is very very important, and they they're not often they're not often thanked or acknowledged for the work that they do. Uh, we uh, what's some of the craziest things that have happened on the campaign thus far? I heard reports. Well, what what happens on the campaign bus stays, stays on the campaign the, well, bus. Okay, maybe not on the some, bus, but I did like I did hear a story yesterday that uh, when you were making the IVF announcement, there was one kid that was running around buck naked, screaming out. Is that was that yesterday? He was out of shot, which is very <laughs> good. We were at the, we we're in the we were in the park which is just next door to the playground and park, which is just next door to Labor's Royal Children's Hospital. Beautiful space. And there was a young person. Uh, he would have been maybe just sort of pre- preppy, maybe a bit older, a little bit smaller, you think. Oh, well, anyway, he was running around. He was just uh, taking it all in. He was at one with one with nature. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he didn't make it into the shot, which was very important for, mm-hmm. for, for him and for all of us. Uh, and good pram work yesterday too. I noticed that you're just uh, instinctive, mate. Yeah. I saw there's a little struggle there. Raced in, yep. picked up the pram. I've already had a text from the husband of that person. <laughs> Very upset. Right, I've yeah. put him to shame. Apparently, just just hard wired, mate. Hard wired to get in there and lift up the pram. You're everywhere. Heaviest pram I've ever lifted. <laughs> well, there to be some serious decluttering done there. Like it must have weighed a hundred kilos. Anyway. Um, Speaking of children, your your kids, yes. four years on with their old man now being the premier of the state. Yes. How have they? 
adapted to? Has there been a bit, a bit of a change of life, or are they just rolling? So, Noel was born. Noel was born in the August two thousand two, and the election was later that year. So I went into Parliament when he was only like three months old. So Gracie's born two years later. Joe's born roughly two years after that. So they've never known anything but dad doing this for a job. The last four years, is, well, the last eight years is different. Certainly, the last four is different. Yeah. They uh, there can be some some challenging moments. You know, kids are kids are kids, and you know, sometimes children channel their parents. So <laughs> all manner of commentary at school and all that sort of stuff. But they, I think, they understand that uh, this is this is important work, and I think there's a sense of pride that they get to be part of something that makes the state better. And uh, we're pretty disciplined, though, around and ruthless almost in terms of the way the diaries manage. We try and carve out as much family time as we can. Uh, but it's tough. One of the hardest things in this job, you know, it's really odd that you... I, I, I've made keeping promises really a, a, a big part of what we, what we do. You know, say what you do, do what you say. And often in order, in order to do that... Uh, I have to ring various of the children and say, you know how I said I'd be at your speech night? I, I can't. Mm. And that's really quite hard. But that's no different to lots of other parents who haven't got enough time and work hard and have to juggle things. That's, Stuff comes that's, up. Well, it does. And that's, mm. kind of, that's life. That's modern life. But um, the best part about it is that they and a bunch of other civilians that are in my life keep me extremely well-grounded to know what's important and to stay focused and not be thrown off by some of the nonsense that seems to dominate politics. This Sunday night coming, we're taping this on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, we have... We have uh, a rally. We do have a rally. We've got the Can Rally for Labor, which is at the ANMF Auditorium, which is 535 Elizabeth Street in the city. You need to reserve your seat at thisislabor.org. Be there, be there, be there. Slash rally. You're speaking at that rally to fire up our volunteers in the Community Action Network for the final six days, five days of the I campaign. Am. I'm going to try and be altogether more humorous than I have been on this podcast. Well, you like these rallies that because was a I know test, that right? Uh, he didn't nod. Uh, he didn't <laughs> nod. I'm asking a question. Okay, uh, we'll get it out then. Spit we, it out. We, uh, I know you like these rallies because when we did the one in 2014 where roughly around 1,000 people turned up, you called me the next day and said, that was really good. Can we do another one? <laughs> uh, not an easy thing to organise. I'll point out, um, but well, we, okay. Then I promise. I promise that I won't. That's renew. why we back ended it. I promise it was, it was, I won't. Oh, that's why it's so it late was, the campaign. Yeah. So I can't ask for another one. Absolutely. Oh, okay. If you want to get another one out within the next five no, days, there's but. something very, very, uh, very powerful about people from every walk of life, from every background, uh, for every reason, turning up to say we are all in this together and. We're prepared to get involved and we don't think politics is broken. We think that there's every opportunity to affect change uh, and that, you know, our show, my team, all the things that the whole team has done over these four years and our plan for the future is something that's worth fighting for. That's, that's I, Absolutely, I enjoy it. It's really, really good. And there's something at stake. And if you good. can get there, get there. Yeah, absolutely. We would well, love to see you. You and uh, it starts at seven o'clock, doors open at six. Like I said, this is labor.org. Uh, forward slash rally is the website you need to go to to sign up to get your reserve your seat speaking of what's at stake what do volunteers need to do or any labor supporters listening out there that have yet to get involved in the campaign with 10 days to go what's the most important thing they can do to make sure they re-elect the labor government there are doors to knock on there are phone calls to make there's stories to tell you know you've got to by using your voice you can help other people to find theirs uh, motivating them making sure that they get their votes in the box I learned a long, long time ago, before head office actually, when I worked for uh, Alan Griffin out in the southeast in what was then the most marginal federal seat in Victoria, uh, where we bucked the swing multiple elections uh, in a really, in really tight races. That if you chase the last vote harder than your opponent, than your opponent, you win. Uh, and you also get to be able to, you know, at six o'clock on on the twenty fourth November, you can genuinely say. Uh, I've done everything I could. It's either there or it's there or it's not. So, um, you know, that that work matters. That the the detail, the 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 chase, really working hard to make sure friends and teammates and family members and neighbours and you know workmates, all of that 
you've got to reach out to everybody you possibly can and tell them why you're voting Labor and why this election's important. Because, you know, cliches, there are lots of them. I've probably used one or two in the last little while. Um, they're cliches in politics because they're true. You know, a handful of votes in a handful of seats. That's what will determine whether we get a chance to implement the next phase of our positive plan uh, and keep Victoria strong and keep delivering and keep Victoria in that leading position uh, or whether I think a pretty spiteful negative agenda takes over. So get there, get get to your local field office, your local campaign office and uh, if you want to get involved there's lots to do. And then of course there's the old fashioned stuff, handing out how to vote cards on polling day uh, and uh, handing out a pre-poll between now and, now and then with, with record numbers of people voting early. I think we're smashing all uh, records People tell me the mood is pretty good out there and the numbers are strong. There's a lot of people turning out to vote. And, and it's really important to also just mention to our listeners as well, our Labor supporters, this is actually a close-run thing. I know that some, always, some of the always. media think that it, it's a cakewalk, but it, let me assure you, it is not. And, and none of us are complacent. No. Like, I learned that lesson lo- a long time ago that you can't take anything for granted in this. You've got to have a plan, execute your plan, work hard right up until 6 o'clock so that then the really hard work can begin. After hopefully getting a win, you can get on and deliver all those commitments you've made. For, for the people of Victoria. Let's uh, wrap it up. Um, yes. Now, you, you, you talked a big game before about the uh, song to take us out with. Right. Uh, apparently, this is... apparently, it's a banger. Well, I don't know. Isn't that a word you youngsters use? Apparently not. I don't think I'm much younger than you. You want to see the look, of, the look on his face. It's quite amazing. <laughs> well, the other thing, the debate we're much, right how, now... Is, how, how old are you? Um, how old do you think I am? I don't know, forty, higher, higher. All right, we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. Um, so, what you do? The debate that is actually happening amongst uh, some of your team is what's the song that we're going to play at the Canter Rally for you, your grand entrance as you, well, you know, high five. Yeah, all you got to be careful though, because it's all about copyright and yeah. approvals. And so that's why I was going to play some sort of um, like the Chieftains or something, or some sort of traditional oh. Irish folk music. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I that'll be great. That, that'll know. get them fired up, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> That'll get well, them fired they, up. So what you a, do... Had a couple of beers at the last jar, they'll be fired up. What you do is you go... you If you're not, you become a Midnight Oil fan. That's mandatory. We talked about the oils last When time. you speak, make sure you say something. Yep. Like songs that actually have some meaning rather uh-huh. than... So you go to Armistice Day, uh, live from the Domain in Sydney. Yep. It's the only bad part about it, it was in Sydney. Shame. And you play Treaty, which has got... Uh, Yurimul Marika in it. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic, absolutely fantastic young Indigenous artist, artist, and uh, it's very good. Well, there we go, Daniel Andrews. Best of luck with the rest of the campaign, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, mate. Cheers.
Yeah.